Hello, awesome people. Welcome to Embrace the Pivot. I'm Dr. C. Robinson, your host for the show. Join me as we discover what pivoting actually means and how you can embrace your pivot during life's transition. Happy Wednesday, everyone. I hope all of you are having a good holiday season so far. Today, we're going to be talking about pre-pivoting. So far, we've talked in detail about once you're in the pivot, how to successfully get to your goal. But today, I want to focus on the moment before you're about to pivot. And no one knows when that moment is going to happen. So you always have to be in the preparation mode. You always have to prepare. And that is key and critical to getting to where you want to go once you are in the pivot. So many people don't think about that pre-pivot and you're missing out. There's an opportunity to set yourself up to succeed. And with pre-pivoting, it is about how are you developing those relationships now? How are you thinking about changing your narrative to who do you want to be? right? Because once that pivot happens, you can no longer share that narrative of who you were. You have to share the narrative of where you're going and who you are in that moment. And in that moment, you're pivoting. A lot of people, they don't have that opportunity to craft the narrative beforehand. So these are all things you should be thinking about. So when that time comes to pivot, you are 100% ready and prepared. Today, Bill Hoyer joins me and we discuss pre-pivoting. I've known Bill for a very, very long time. He's one of my brother's best friends. And he said, hey, you know, how's the podcast going? I would love to be on it. And I said, you know what? You do have a good story. Because right now he's in the pre-pivot stage. What I love about Bill is he's so self-reflective. He understands he's in pre-pivot. And a lot of people don't. And right now he's, he's in preparation. He loves what he's doing. And it's not that he's ready to pivot at the moment. But he's thinking ahead. He's thinking, is this where I want to be for the next 20 years? And if it's not, what do I have to do to set myself up to succeed when and if I am going to make a move? And it's, you know, it was an aha moment for me because, again, so much of what we have discussed on this podcast is about once you're in the pivot, but What if you aren't ready? And so many people are comfortable with where they're at. And for Bill, he just knows that maybe this isn't the right position for me for the next 20 years. So what do I have to do? And that is so key. And I really love our conversation because it talks about how to prepare. A little bit about Bill's background. He went to the University of Alabama where he received a degree in communication studies and a master's in marketing. He was recruited at the university in a sales program for under a small ed tech company. 
And with that is where he grew his career. He moved around the country for different promotions. And now he is working in sales at an ed tech firm. And he knew nothing about the industry, but this opportunity came to him and he took it. I'm really looking forward to all of you hearing his story and how he is in preparation phase. Everyone, please welcome Bill. Yeah, excited to be here. Excited for the conversation. So what's really unique is I've known you pretty much your whole life. And I think what a lot of listeners don't know is my brother is eight years younger than me. So you were part of his friends. You you still are best friends. So I knew you from the time you were little and I got to witness your success and growth into the man that you've become. So I'm really excited. I actually did the math for you. So we, I did the math (laughs) last night, 25 years we've known each other. So I've been friends. I met your brother in second grade. So 25 years. Okay. Okay. That's crazy. It is wild to think (laughs) about, right? (laughs) And it is. And you guys have such a good group of friends. I feel like part of the pact when I hang out with you guys. So (laughs) it's not bad. All right. Your pivot story, I think is so interesting because we're going to be talking about pre-pivot. What is that moment that you decide that you have to make a change or that you want to make a move? So take us back to one, you moved to Alabama. That's a huge pivot to go to university. Then you got into the ed tech space, correct? Correct. All right. So one, why did you want to move to Alabama from our great beach town <laughs> that we grew you know, up it's in? Funny. So many people ask me this question. I don't really have a great answer. We had a, a very small connection. I'll give you kind of the, the actual reason, but then it became more of a broader reason, right? So we had a very small connection to the University of Alabama and just one of my dad's you know, business partners lived down there. And, and we kind of always very casually followed the university just in general. Um, so I always kind of had it on my list of of places to visit just in terms of, of college in general, right? So we we had a long list of, of campuses to visit. Alabama was first just because it was the farthest. And the first, you know, the the visit that I went there, I absolutely fell in love with it. So like I we just canceled the rest of of I've never been to another campus other than the University of Alabama, just in terms of like, you know, exploring colleges. But then there was a I would say a real more a, a broader reason, which is, you know, you're familiar with Point Pleasant. We live in a very small bubble like town where everyone kind of knows everybody. Um, I always knew that I wanted to get into the career of sales. Um, it just you know, I I always joke like my family has the blood of, of salespeople because everyone in my family is pretty much a salesperson other than my mom, who's a nurse, bless her heart. Um, but truthfully, I just I wanted to put myself in a situation where I didn't know anybody. Right. So you you go from this town where, you know, everybody, you know, you're friends with every single person at the school and just in the town in general. You drop yourself in a university of 30 plus thousand people. You don't know anybody. And I knew that that would kind of strengthen my skill set for sales mm-hmm. in general, right? Networking, just building relationships with people that you've never met before and that type of thing. So I think that the, the more broader scale of reasoning was behind the idea that I knew it would help my career just from the standpoint of you know growing personally and kind of blooming into a, a salesperson who can talk to anybody, who can be dropped into a room where he doesn't know anybody and have to network with every single person, right? So I think that's probably the... The overall aspect, I was horrified when I initially went there. 
Um, I, you know, I've had so many, I, I, so, and we, I think, you know, I I listen to some of your other episodes, right? Like it's, it's, there are periods throughout the pivot where you think to yourself, did I make the right pivot, right? Or is this the right pivot for me? And I think there were so many times early on, at least when I, in Alabama, where I was just like, man, I don't know if this was the right move at all. I feel very awkward. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, and and again, that kind of just you know, speaks to the the personal growth because I absolutely fell in love with it. I still think it's one of the best decisions I've made in my entire life. Um, and I've, you know, I fully embraced that pivot after I got through those stages where I was like, I'm not sure if this is the right move or not. Yeah. So that's really interesting. A lot of people like to stay in their comfort zone. So what was that foresight for you to say, okay, I need to start being comfortable being uncomfortable? Yeah, it was because I was super, I was as odd as it sounds and, and you, it's, it's probably odd for you to hear as well, just because we've known each other forever, forever. I don't really like to talk to people that I don't know, which is so odd for me to say as a salesperson, right? <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm an extrovert and an introvert at the same time, which is an odd dynamic for sales, but I do think it works specifically in ed tech and I'll get back around to, to how I stumbled into that industry. But yeah, I mean, it, it was, I would say, it wasn't easy. Again, I, I just don't think it was something that I was planned, but I just thought that I knew I wanted to be in sales because everybody and their mother was telling me that like, Hey, you should be in sales, right? Like you have the personality for it. I didn't know what specific, you know, when no college kid knows what they want to do. Right. right? So I, I, I just wanted to force myself to be put outside of my comfort zone to talk to people. I, I'll give you just a kind of another step. I forced myself to take public speaking classes, which I mm. hated so much, hated. I hated the idea of it. I was, I'm still getting nervous, but I do think I've, I've grown my skill set quite a bit from that initial public speaking class to now where I, you know, just last month I spoke in front of a thousand people, right? So it's, it's certain skills specifically for sales that I knew if I were to embrace, even though it was so far outside of my comfort zone and would make me so uncomfortable personally that I would just get past that to where I would never be uncomfortable with it. And it would help me kind of grow in my career, which it did. So I, I think the it was more skill set focused uh, about mm-hmm. just kind of the broader aspect of it in terms of I just wanted to be able to connect with people more and put myself out of my comfort zone, which I never ever like to do. I'm very I'm a comfortable person. I don't know if that's the right term or not, but just I don't like to do things where I'm uncomfortable. But I knew that was one of the things that could really slingshot me personally, just in terms of personal growth, but also provide me some career opportunities down the road. And that that's just so key. So it's amazing that you are able at that young age to realize that most yeah. people, it takes them till 40 or 50 to understand that. True, <laughs> so, true. I, I think sales yeah. is different, right? Because sales is very basic. Sales is just talking to people, right? Like you, every, everybody can learn a product, but ultimately you have to be able to, to have that ability to just have a conversation with just human to human. Yeah, so I, I wanted to improve that skill specifically, but yeah, you're right. It, I was young at the time and I look back and I think about it even just now. And I'm, I, I don't know how I had that foresight. I really don't. Yeah. I also just like, football. Right. Right? so talk to us about football. what I said. I also just like football. So that was a big football. Yeah. Skill, so that, helped. <laughs> there, that, that was the real reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So talk to us a little bit about ed tech. Because I think most people didn't even know it existed until the pandemic hit. So just yeah. briefly touch on that. Yeah, it's funny. So I, I'm pre-pandemic in terms of virtual learning, <laughs> right? In the ed tech space. I absolutely randomly stumbled into this industry. 
So I was in the sales program at, you know, in Alabama and I was recruited out of the program by a smaller company called LTS education systems. You know, they don't exist anymore. They were acquired by my current company at the moment. Um, but I think what really, um, I fell in love with the industry, at least initially, was because I saw the product that I was selling genuinely, like positively impacting the education of students, right? And particularly their student engagement inside of, of schools. You know, I remember when I was a student, hated school, hated it. Like it's so boring. I just couldn't, right? So when I saw, stu you know, students using the program that I was selling, which has some gaming aspects to it, right? It's, it's supposed to be high on student engagement. I absolutely was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. It's awesome to sell something that like kids love. Um, but from a broader aspect, you're right. This, this was way, you know, pre-pandemic. So this was 2013. I started in wow. the ed tech space and it was still... I, as you talk to school districts, it's still very, at the time, very hit or miss in terms of did they embrace technology in general or did they embrace technology and now they're embracing virtual learning to where the pandemic just absolutely forced every district's hand to embrace virtual learning, right? So it just absolutely exploded the industry on so many different levels, right? Whether it's your full-time virtual program where your students can't go in the building, so they have to you know, be learning outside, or just, you know, you're taking career explorations, world languages, but it's it's been a wild ride to start pre-pandemic, then current, you know, during the pandemic. And now we're actually post-pandemic where we're, we're certainly not pre-pandemic in terms of the mindset of school districts and how they feel mm -hmm. about virtual learning. But you can tell that it's changed forever. I mean, the overall dynamic in, in public education around virtual learning happened is changed. I mean, it just is what it is, whether you like, whether a district likes it or not, they have to embrace it in order to just, you know, continue moving forward, continue to offer options for their students, keep your students engaged. A lot of, a lot of students thrive in, in virtual learning, right? So I, I think it was, it was an interesting dynamic to, to see pre-pandemic during the pandemic and now post-pandemic, how the, the market and kind of industry just has kind of moved together, but it, it was interesting to see it force its hand with, with COVID and, and how everybody just had to embrace it. So let me ask you this. For companies like yours who were already in the ed tech space pre-pandemic, when other companies during the pandemic started entering the space, did companies like yours feel like they had to elevate what they were already offering? Yeah, I, I, I would say yes, definitely. And I would say... Kind of two different things. Number one, it, it's not foreign to us that companies are always constantly entering this space, right? I would say if you even take out the the pandemic, you're still going to see an increase in companies go into the virtual learning space. Now, I think the way our company operated was this is all that we've done, right? This is the world that we've lived in, right? Like we specialize in full-time online education for K-12 students. So I think from our perspective, we're less concerned about the new folks because we've lived in this you know, space the entire time. So when you when I talk to districts about you know creating a, a district partnership, ultimately the 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 number one value is we're we're the most experienced partner out here, right? Like we're it, this because this is all that we've done, we're able to show you how it's done. And I think you you can look at a lot of the the districts who chose to do it themselves or chose to stay with a vendor that may not specialize in, in full time virtual, but just you know, they, they tried to kind of supplement at that time. And it was very chaotic and a little bit unorganized, which is why you see, you know, news articles all the time about the idea of, of virtual learning being a bad thing. The truth is, it's absolutely not a bad thing. 
Um, all it does is provide mm -hmm. more options for students, specific students who may thrive in that environment and may not thrive in a brick and mortar. So I, I think it's a little bit of yes and no to answer your question, but I, I think it was, yes, it's pressure, but also at the same time, like I said, the industry exploded, right? So we're just, we're trying to keep our heads above water in terms of creating and standing up so many district partnerships that was, I mean, we're talking double, triple the amount that we initially had pre-COVID just because, again, it forced everybody's hand to do it. So I yes. think it was moving on the fly. You had to adapt. We obviously saw the, the new companies come in. It's a, still a very highly competitive market. But at the same time, you know, I think that our experience has, has kind of, you know, held our ground the whole time as far as being one of the top, you know, vendors or organizations that do what we do. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about pre-pivot. Maybe not now, but you might be thinking for in the future that you want to make a move. What does that look like for you? And how are you strategizing to set yourself up for that move? Yeah, you know, I I'm, I would say I'm very pre-pivot um, in, in terms of that. I have always, I would say throughout my career, I've always, I've enjoyed what I do, right? Like I said earlier, I, I enjoy selling to schools because it, you know, positively impacts them, right? But like, the reality is, like I said earlier, I absolutely stumbled into this industry. It's it's not something that I loved and then wanted to do it, right? So I've always kind of had that idea in my head of like, and I, I, I pulled it up because I love this quote. It's a quote from Mark Twain, right? Find a job you enjoy doing. You'll never have to work a day in your life. I envy those people so much who can say that they genuinely love what they do, right? And not to say I don't like what I do. I just... You know, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a, I was gonna say I'm a passionate guy, right? So when I'm passionate about what I'm doing, I do feel it's it's that like I there's no work in 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 life difference there. It's it's I'm passionate about it. Like this is I'm not working a day in my life. I just haven't found that route yet, but I know it's out there. Um, so that's why I I've you know I when I initially saw your podcast and started listening to it, I it it to me opened up my eyes a little bit that. Maybe it's it's better to do kind of the the pre-pivot smaller steps prior to the larger pivot. Cause I think I was always yeah. scared of the larger pivot, which prevented me from doing the, the smaller pre-pivot steps to move in that direction. Right. So I think number one, it's it's just and that's kind of where I'm now, which I, I think probably a lot of your audience can probably relate to is I don't necessarily know what I'm I'm pivoting to or what I want to pivot to. So right now I'm just pivoting probably day by day in terms of like what 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 is the avenue that I'd like to pivot to just in general first and then I can kind of walk through the individual steps but I it's just a lot of of you know soul searching I mean I it's a, an odd way to put it but ultimately the the only answer is in your head right I mean it's just yeah. a matter of what you personally want to do and what will you personally will make you feel happy that's ultimately what I've kind of been I think struggling with as far as like, what is that? What is the answer? Yep. And I've been there many times too. Like now what do I want to do? <laughs> right. Because right. you do, you, you have to pivot in order to get to where you want to go. So for me, it was always, okay, what did you always see yourself ultimately doing? And then I would work backwards. So for you not knowing, how are you going about that? How are you figuring out where you, you want to be. Yeah, it's not easy. I don't know the I, I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I mean, the ultimate answer is I'm still trying to figure it out. 
you know, like a, you know, I just think I have very broad passions, right. I'm, you know, I'm passionate about sports and football, but I'm not going to be a pro football player at 32. Right. (laughs) So I like that's out the door. Right. So then it's like, well, I'm a, I'm a salesperson. Do I try to get into sales inside of sports somehow, which is obviously an an avenue. Right. I mean, that's certainly maybe I would enjoy that or enjoy, you know, sales in the entertainment industry. Right. So I, I think it's just a matter of um, just trying to figure out, you know, what, what avenues are, what options are available in the specific spaces that I'm passionate about? I, I think that's, that's probably the first start is, is doing that research, which I haven't even like finished that part yet. So I, I don't know if I can tell you that I have a specific avenue, right? It's just a matter of figuring out within a specific space on the larger pivot, like where is the individual smaller pivot that can get my foot in the door? But yeah. then again, I also have a ton of fear about that because I've worked very hard to get where I am like right now in my career in, in the ed tech world. So I don't want to, is it a, an automatic full reset when you pivot? Right. So like, maybe I'll ask you just as the, the pivot queen. Right. I mean, you tell me like you, I know you've had a, a, a bunch of different careers. I, I you know, I, you said you pivoted eight or nine times on, on one of your previous episodes. Right. So do you feel like you've been starting from scratch when you make kind of that full, you know, I would say career pivot? No. And here, and a lot of people feel like they do, or what you just said, am I going to be starting from scratch? No, because what you do is everything you have done has laid the foundation and the value that you bring to the table. So for sports, for example, they want the go-getters in sales. It's all about the money, right? And if you can show either through your resume or in the interview how far you have come and the revenue that you have generated your company, that's valuable. So no, you're not starting from scratch. You're just expanding your reputation because the reputation that you built in the one industry, it's gonna, you know, spill over if you will, into where you're going. And that's where a lot of people fall short. They don't understand how their current skill set can translate to something else. Because at the end of the day, all industries operate the same. You have your finance people, IT, marketing, sales, everything's the same. It's just a different demographic that you're dealing with. Totally agree with that. I I personally do agree with that, especially in sales, right? It's easy for me to say, but but I do believe sales translates to multiple industries. Yeah. I guess part of my fear and, and you tell me how you, your experience with this is you know when you when you're switching industries you don't have experience in that new industry right so like that if if i'm hiring somebody who has no experience in the industry who may be super talented like are they going to go with the person who's who's more experienced but less talented in the industry right i i think that's part of my fear as well is like am i are they just going to shut the door in my face in general because they i've they've never once worked in you know that particular industry I think it depends on the company, but with my sports background, I could tell you that anything sports related, they're more interested in taking people from other industries than who have just worked in sports because you bring a different perspective. And if you can market yourself like that, that is where the value is. And I, I think you'd be great in sports. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, I think you should go for it. Well, I'll tell you what, this uh, makes me feel better about pivoting. <laughs> and a lot of times you might have to take a title decrease. Sure. sure. 
And a lot of people it's, it's tied to, oh, but this is who I am. You know, your title shouldn't reflect who you are as a person, but in the society we're in now it does, but what's more important to you pivoting to somewhere where you think you'll be happier and make a bigger difference or staying just because of your title in a space that you're miserable. So I, I highly encourage people, yeah. if you don't worry about the title, just worry about the entry point and then work your way back up. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I, I think the title thing really confuses the general public about what they should be striving for. Um, I also think it, you know, especially as a salesperson, but in general, like I, I care a lot about what people think about me, people who I may not know, which is crazy to me. Right. So like, then I look at like my LinkedIn is updated to it, like a, a, a lower position. So are they going to think that I failed? Right. Like, I think I have those fears as well, to be honest with you, just a more general fears that like, I'm, how will that look? Even though I shouldn't care about that right? the right. reality. I think, you know, I'm, as I'm talking about it, I'm realizing the, the fact that I should not care about that and ultimately just do what, what I, you know, what makes me happy and what I can be passionate about. Yeah. So a quick story just to show you, it shouldn't matter. Okay. I follow this woman on LinkedIn and she's saying she makes seven figures as an entrepreneur, all this stuff. Okay. The beginning of this year. So 12 months ago, She puts a post up, I've conquered the entrepreneurial world. I am now looking for a corporate position. I sat there saying, huh, I don't know any entrepreneur who's making seven figures that would let that go to take a corporate position. So you have to be bold. She was just bold, like in her own way. Hey, this didn't work out for me. (laughs) I'm looking for something else. I like that. I like that perspective. Yeah. And just go for it. I had more respect for her. I mean, I wish she would have said like, hey, here, it's not working. Here's why. Right. Right. That would have been a better story. But she was just bold. And that's that. You just have to be bold. Everything um, that where I am today is because I was bold and I asked. And you really, it took a hard time for me to separate myself from sports because that's what I was known for. But in the end, I'm like, this isn't working for me. And I just had to move forward. Like now I'm this. And then I just changed the narrative of my story. So instead of leading with sports, that was the last thing I mentioned, but I first mentioned who I am today. And that- Yeah. You, it's, it's all about how you market yourself and the narrative and you just, you got to be bold. So I totally agree. And yeah. <laughs> all that matters is convincing yourself, I guess, at the end of the day, right? Social yeah. media, social media, regardless <laughs> of what platform it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So for anyone, you have had a lot of career pivots in the sense you moved to different states. You had to change your mindset as you went up in leadership So what would be the biggest piece of advice you would share with anyone to help make the pivot more seamless? I would say, I mean, it's funny. It's the name of your podcast, right? It's just embrace it, right? And I would, like I said earlier, I think it's important to embrace the smaller pivots that may not change your life, but may lead to the actual life-changing pivot. So I think if if there's one takeaway that I'll take from from this conversation, it's you know embrace those smaller pivots, even if there's multiple, even if there's a lot, even if it's personal or career pivots, right? But those smaller pivots, I think, absolutely lead to that larger pivot. So yeah. I would say any sort of you know 
opportunity, whether it's career-wise or life-wise, and, and it's a larger pivot, well, I think maybe break down that larger pivot and, and, and go through each individual smaller pivot as far as which direction and, you know, baby steps, right? I mean, ultimately, it's, yeah. it's a silly term to use, but that's just the truth, right? Take baby steps in your pivot, and it will probably make you feel better about the overall larger pivot as you continue to make progress in the smaller pivots. Yeah. Where can my listeners find you on social media? My LinkedIn page, I guess, and uh, <laughs> a Twitter, Bill Dash Hoyer, H-E-U-E-R. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it was a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Dr. C. Robinson. <laughs> you can follow me, Dr. C, on Instagram at Embrace the Pivot. I hope all of you embrace your pivot.